I'm Michael Weber, Artistic Director of Chicago's Porchlight Music Theater. Welcome to the Movie Musical Monday podcast. This series of recorded conversations explores all our favorite film musicals, from Broadway adaptations to Hollywood originals, as our rotating host and guest conversationalists open a discussion in which you are invited to participate. Today's movie musical is the 2008 film adaptation of the 1999 West End production Mamma Mia, a jukebox musical featuring the songs of the pop group ABBA that later became a smash hit on Broadway. The film became the highest grossing movie of all time in the UK, smashing the previous record set by Titanic in 1997. Today's host is actor Michael Lindner, who starred in Porchlight's 2004 production of Sweeney Todd and appeared as Harry in the national tour of Mamma Mia. His guests are Susie McMonagall, who starred as Donna in Mamma Mia on national tour, and Elizabeth Lado, who played Rosie in Mamma Mia at the Drury Lane Theatre. Let's go to the conversation. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you everybody for for joining us tonight. Um, uh, you know, Michael, you introduced Elizabeth and and Susie as two extraordinary Chicago uh, actors. I would go much further, and I would say that the, these two women that we have with us tonight are actually two of the finest women in all of American theater, um, and it's a great pleasure to be. I mean it. You know, I oh, do. Oh, you're so sweet. Uh, and, and it's a real pleasure to have them, um, you know, to, to host this and and, uh, and to chat with this musical that I love uh, dearly. I love this musical. Um, and I love it, I think, um, despite it, what it is, right? Because on paper, it sounds ludicrous. And uh, in, in, in practice, it's actually, I think, one of the great joys of my life. I love this show so much. Um, it, it does... Uh, I think what Mamma Mia does, and, and you can certainly p pick it apart and criticize it, um, I think that what this musical does better than so many musicals that are written is that it does what it sets out to do, which is to bring joy, to make people happy. And boy, does it deliver, right? Um, Leto, you uh, played Rosie at Drury Lane, Oak Brook, McMonagall, you played Donna now uh, twice or two times, right? You did it on tour and then you did it at Oak Brook. And um, you both know, right, what the audience responses to this show yeah um it's off the charts it it does what it what it sets out to do it 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 makes people happy you know before we like dig into this movie tell me a little bit about your ladle you you start tell us like well i want to say one thing about Susie mcmonagall so uh, and by the way my mom has joined us mom wave Thank you for coming on, Sharon Lado, because I Pleasure. we had a, an interesting experience with this with this um, play many many years ago that I'll share down the road. But Susie would every night. First of all, she never missed a performance, and, and it's a tough role. Local requirements of it's this. It's a tough role. It is an absolute and 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 in January and February in Chicago when you've got the elements and you're driving out to Drury Lane and you could easily go god I just can't do it today and she was there every night she never missed a performance and every night she would be backstage with us in our dressing room and she'd be like oh you guys I don't know if I'm going to hit that note and winner takes it all I just don't know if I'm going to and we're like yeah, no 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 you got it you got it you're going to be all right and if I've learned anything in the great experience of working with amazing people, there is no one like this woman. She is a warrior. She nailed it every night. And every night that audience got to go home with just, I think, the finest, finest storytelling of it. And I agree with you, Michael. I think it's a valuable story. I think it's fun. And it's exactly what you said. It brings joy. It It is something where it's just like somebody like people get when they get up and they get to dance. I think that it's also because it, it invites the audience to um, include themselves in it, which we don't know, you know, a lot of times it's like stand back, let the actors do what they're doing. This is a musical where it's like, come in with us, 
Get on in here. Get on in this. We need you with this. But I do have to just give a shout out to you, Suze, because you're just, I, come on. No, I'll piggyback. Let me piggyback. And I'm going to tell you, I I truly believe that I think, Susie, I think you are hands down the best Donna that there ever was. I think you are made for the part. So now, Leto and I have said really nice things about you. So now you say nice things about us. (laughs) You got well. Thank you so much. That good of an actor for, for saying that. Uh, and I, I have the highest praise for both of these two, and also really fun to work with. And we can talk about those fun stories at a later time. Uh, but, but I loved Mamma Mia when I saw it. I mean, at, at first, I'm thinking, what is this? What is this show? What is ABBA? I never really was into ABBA. I was into the Knack and Super Tramp, and anyway, uh, and. Within two minutes, I was taken away by it. You know what I mean? You just give yourself into it. And I think for me, uh, one of the things that has made it such a hit is that I think people can see themselves somewhere. Who am I? Am I Donna? Am I Rosie? You know, am I Charlie's Angels? Which one am I? Like, (laughs) there's somebody that you can identify with uh, in the in the in the older cast, or the the adult cast, or the younger cast. Mm -hmm. And I think that that that's part of it is that you're sort of rooting for your, you know, who your angle is into the show. Um, The music is fantastic, and I, I think. For me, um, the backup vocals are paramount to this show. And you'll see, we can talk about the movie as well, that that's how ABBA wrote the music for all of that. And uh, in the stage version, it's it's a it's a big priority to get those vocals right. Mm -hmm. And you don't see them because they're the Greek chorus that's off stage, but you are singing and you have all of those vocals to back you up. And I I think that's something unique, you know, take a chance, take a chance, chance, take a chance, you know, you would never see that in Oklahoma. Do you guys think that they made a decision to put it in a Greek island because of this idea of a Greek chorus? Because that's, in, I haven't ever thought about that, Susie, till you brought that up. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it is the prettiest place in the entire world. Well, and sure. it's on my bucket list to go there. And you but can even do it in like Bali. They could have done any, I'm just saying like, there's some, is there something about this Greek thing that you brought up? Uh, you might be you might be well right. What do you I think, Mike? I don't know. I read about it earlier, and now I don't uh, remember what they said about it. But um, I think that uh, it, whatever it is, it's like it works. All these weird things kind of come together, and they they work really well. Even the story, I think the story is is a pretty good story for for a jukebox musical, right? I mean, totally. Um, it it. it it totally makes sense. And the music is awesome. I I, I did uh, over 800 performances and I never got tired of the music. I always found joy in it. And I always, uh, it always excited me. Um, yeah. And, and Susie, you're right about being backstage. Like we had the privilege of being backstage and we could, we could hang out by the booths and listen to the ensemble. Well, you couldn't cause you were always on stage, but I could hang out backstage and listen to the ensemble singing these backup tracks and it was really truly like the coolest one of the coolest parts of the show so now that's the stage play but we're here to talk about the movie now we started later you started talking about the setting one of the things that this movie gets really right i think i think the the cinematography is really beautiful for much of the film and we really get like the feeling of really truly being there on this little Greek island. So, um, you know, if there's a success to discuss, I mean, certainly the filming on location, these beautiful, the beautiful, beautiful scenery, the ocean, all of that stuff is really a success. I would sort of start the conversation off by saying, and Paz, I bet you, I bet Chris Pazernick, I bet you're on the same page as me with this. We'll see, maybe not. Um, I feel like even though it's really pretty to look at, I feel like sometimes it's not the greatest movie to listen to. 
Um, music is such an important part of this show. Um, one of the things I wonder about this, and we're digging right in here already in the discussion. One of the things I feel like this movie fights against a little bit is, is it a movie that has music in it or is it a musical? And um, sometimes I feel like it clashes a little bit. And sometimes I feel like the... Um, emphasis isn't on the on the music and do you remember Susie when we rehearsed on 42nd Street I mean they like every single note was not the acting we could do whatever we wanted but every note of that music was dictated to be it was prescribed it had to be done a certain way the keys every single musical key had to be in the original key you could not back phrase it was they would say all right you, you can take two beats to do whatever you want in the entire song other than that it was like i agree yeah so does the movie have enough of a focus on the music of ABBA, does that even matter? Amanda, go ahead. I I personally feel like it worked. Um, and I'm not sure if it's because I'm blinded by how much I love the music. So I'm like, it, it could never not work, in my opinion. But I also felt like I was watching them perform as if they were on stage. Like, I, I don't know. Like Meryl Streep, I felt w- was doing it like I'm really here and I'm singing it as this person. But then like, you know, even the opening song, Amanda, I felt like, oh, she's on a stage when she's doing this. So I don't know. It was like a weird mix in that movie of like, are they singing it on the location or are, are they on a stage and I'm watching this? Like, yeah, that was what I kind of was like, hmm. But I thought that I think the music still works in the movie, but they should have maybe chosen a, a direction to go, whether it's going to be big or if it's going to be more like internal. Yeah, I agree. I feel like it fights it fights itself a little bit. And I don't know how else to describe that. Uh, Margaret mentioned here, um, Pierce, poor Pierce Brosnan should never have been singing. But, but he got, I mean, he really, uh, that poor guy, he, he really got trounced in the review. But he's but, so but handsome. She's right. She's right. Like, then do, guess, you know what? And this is the argument of casting anything. Then get somebody that can do it. And they didn't want. There's a I, lot I think, of pretty, pretty men think, out there. I think they hired actors. I think that they, they hire actors that sing. He, but I think it didn't matter to that. Maybe there's something to do. Like when I saw Les Mis, the movie, having done Les Mis, I was really criticizing the vocals because Les Mis is basically an opera. But right. Mamma Mia is like everybody you know sings Mamma Mia in their car. Like it didn't bother me that much that they weren't fabulous singers. I'd, I'd rather have a good actor any day. Well, I'd rather have a good actor any day, too. I'm with you. But I just mean, like, he, it almost seemed like he was uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And so, like, that's when, it's like when somebody seems they're, like, a little uncomfortable, where he was just like, yeah. like, listen, I'll watch Thomas Crown Affair any day. But, I mean, he just did not, that standing in the doorway, seeing, you know, and he was just like, and I'm like, oh, honey. Oh gosh! And then they gave him that song at the end. Like at the, I was like, "What? Come on now! We've no. had enough of Pierce." I yeah, that was that. That song was a Art, uh, Art, you had your hand up. You had something to yeah, say. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually had a bigger problem with Pierce Brosnan than his singing, and that is, I couldn't picture his character and Meryl Streep ever being together. Yeah, they seemed total polar opposites, and even when he was younger and supposedly more carefree, I suppose. I, I couldn't possibly imagine them ever being together. I think that's a, I, I felt really the same point. Thing. Just going back to the music super quick. What it felt to me is that they kind of went for what I would call the karaoke approach to the whole movie. In that, totally. you know, if, if it's like after a wedding reception or whatever, everybody goes to karaoke and even your drunk father-in-law who should never be singing, gets up to sing. And so I I have to think that they knew that these people, for the most part, weren't great singers, but it was the joy of like, oh, you can't actually go to a karaoke bar with Pierce Brosnan, but we're going to give you that experience in the movie and you get to see him try and sing. 
doesn't matter if it's good or not. Most people aren't very good at karaoke. And that's like the whole fun of it. I don't think that was entirely successful. Um, I'm with Lado. I'd much rather hear actors who can sing it. But I think they felt like people would enjoy watching the attempt so much. That yeah. it didn't matter. Which, I, hear, I hear you. I will say this, though. Sam has the hardest vocal track next to Donna. Yeah. Like in regards to, I mean, if we're value, if we're going to put value on ABBA music, which we should, because I think they wrote incredible music and they did some, they, they, they require some really vocal um, gymnastics for people at times. Then I get it for the other two. Sam has to sing a couple of the hardest vocal, I mean, a couple of the hardest songs like Donna does. I mean, Rosie doesn't, you know, we don't, we, we, I mean, we have a couple things that are challenging, but I mean, you've got these two people that are going to sing the hardest songs uh, in the ABBA canon in the way that's being put in. And I'm like, well then give it to someone who can sing. Let the other guys be kind of fluid in what they can do and the girls, because I think that serves the music. And I, at the end of the day, you incline me. Well, and he, and he would have had a little, maybe a little more charm. I kind of agree with art. I feel like a, I think that Sam is a really, really hard role to play because on paper, he's kind of boring and, um, and he, you're right, Lado, he's got really hard songs to sing. And in the stage version, he's got to sing Knowing Me, Knowing You, right? Is that the one? Yeah. Yes. Knowing yeah. me, knowing you. And it doesn't make any sense. Um, so it's, it's even harder, but they cut it from the musical. But I'll talk about that in a minute. Robin Simone uh, sent a, a text here, I don't know, a chat. And I don't know if you saw it, but the, the movie that they sort of feel like this is based on is a Buona Sera, Mrs. Campbell, which is very has a very similar storyline, and the speculation is that they set the movie in Greece instead of Italy oh. to sort of break up any similarities between between. Oh my wow. gosh, I love Thank that, Robin. You. Thank you. So really we learned insight. something new. I love that. Thank you, Robin. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Klein. Kevin Klein. Yeah, would have been. And Kevin Klein, we know, is a, a great singer. Mindy, you yeah. you've got your hand up. Hi. Um. Hi, Mindy. Hi. Um, Hi, Mindy. Hello. <laughs> I haven't seen it on stage, and I'd like to, because um, I really did not like this movie. Um, I and, and I apologize, no offense to anyone who has been in it, um, but I was familiar with the songs, so it felt to me that, okay, we have a song, so what kind of circumstance do we need to to push into the song and and that's why i wish we had better singers with the men the women were great i mean whenever the women and and christine baranski and julie walter whenever they were running around doing their thing i loved it but then the men were just hi we're a bunch of guys that you know you all know and we can't sing so it it, it just i was kind of thrown out of it i never felt engrossed in it um i i was just giggling every time pierce brosnan tried to sing because i'm thinking well shoot hollywood just hire me then um, <laughs> so that's kind of where i'm at so i'm looking forward to if we ever get out of the house seeing it on stage and maybe you guys will be in it so Mindy, well, you're, Mindy, you're my Sam in the next version. You're my Sam. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. I can't carry a tune at all. I'll be perfect. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it's it's interesting um, that perspective. I I I can't imagine. I, well, actually, so I really wonder what my reaction would be to the movie if I had never seen the stage show. Yeah. Yeah. To compare it against. Is, is anybody else out there? Have you seen only the movie and not ever seen the show on stage? Several. Gotcha. Interesting. And and I, so what's? I've seen both. Yeah. You've seen both, Sharon. I love the stage production, and then of course I'm biased about the one at Drury Lane. Needless to say, I just enjoyed it because I like the sheer entertainment of the music and the storyline. And I kept thinking, oh my, how can they develop a storyline 
because the music obviously was written and performed first, long before that storyline. And I think that's really creative. So I've seen both. I really like the stage production better than the movie. I think one thing that we haven't mentioned is that the stage version and the movie version had the same director, the same music director, the same choreographer. So, you know, all of that, think about that for a minute, you know, like you're the director of the stage version. I'm going off on a tangent here and and (laughs) saying, okay, okay, Susie, here you are. You're, you're in your taverna and you're, you, you hear, you hear a boat in the distance and, and you look out looking, you know, into the audience, you look out and you see the boat coming into the dock in a director's mind. She had all of this in her imagination when she staged the show. But when she had the opportunity to do the movie, she could say, oh, and there's the boat <laughs> or, or the scuba guys, you know, the the lay all your love guys with the flippers, you know. Oh, and they come out of the ocean. Well, here they are right out of the ocean. Like how how cool would that have been to to be realize to, your vision, yeah. you know? I don't know. I think that that's so interesting that you, I didn't know that. And that's, what's fascinating about this because I do think, and I don't know if this is partial because I've been in a stage production of it, but I think the stage production, I think it works better on stage than in a movie. 100%. And I think it's because you have the limitations. And so you have to kind of like, you bring in these wonderful ideas of like, I'm going to make this, this scope of like this incredible, this, you know, beautiful scenery. And I want to create it into the energy of the people on stage. And that basically it's saying, I need you all actors to recreate. I need you guys to create the environment of being on a incredible Greek Island, being in this, you know, intense situation of a marriage and all these things. And then all this stuff's happening and it's all concentrated and it's all put in a jar. And I think that makes it work rather than going, Oh, I can have it all release in a film. That's fascinating that it's... I think, I think you, that's a great point, for sure. James, I was going to call on you, and then Leto started talking about... Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. I'm no, no, it's okay. I think we share... I think one of the things, as we're working in Zoom, and we've been out of the theater for a year, I think the stage version um, incorporates the audience into a way that watching in the movie or watching it at home on your television doesn't do, because it's like a typical jukebox musical that if you've never seen it before, all of a sudden you're surprised because you know every single song. So as soon as the song begins, all of a sudden you're like, I love this song. And you look at your friend and they love this song. And you're like, yeah. But at home, you're just like, well, that's nice. Um, And the other thing about the movie that I didn't care for, which I think is a part of the the stage version, but it just doesn't work as well as a movie. It just seems sort of crazy. Like the leads into songs, like it's just so like um, bizarre to me. Like, you know, she's, uh, Meryl Streep or whatever is working hard in the kitchen and she's like I don't know how I'm ever going to pay for these bills and then she looks at the camera I work all night I work all yeah. night and it's like that's just weird yeah <laughs> uh, but that that's I think I, I was just, just going to say I think the live atmosphere adds to so much enjoyment especially when it's this music that everybody knows Hey, yep. Is it? I, th- I think it's the da- is it Dancing Queen when all the women on the island like drop everything they're doing and like follow along and go down to the waterfront. Like they tried to get capture that. I think a little bit like the feeling that this is for like all women everywhere and it, that doesn't really work. Um, Doug, I think Doug was next. Doug had your hand up. Yeah, you know, I don't agree that the uh, the stage version works better than the movie. I think the movie's delightful, but they work very differently. Um, like James, I saw that I saw the touring show when it came to Chicago. Audience full of baby boomers, and the whole joke for us was, how are they going to work? You know, get Chiquitita in there? Oh, there's the way, and we all, like you said, laughed, and some people sang along. Delightful. In the movie, there's not that. There's not going to be a give and take. It's a movie. Um, but I, th- I like, you know, the, with the setting, um, and by the way, Elizabeth, I, last year I had a student who did a paper on exactly that, that it was the Greek chorus 
and said in Greece that that was all intentional. Um, but but I like the um, I like it the way they they said it. It's sort of a, a Shangri La away from the rest of the world, almost an imaginary place therein, um, which I think serves it well. I agree. I, I think the setting is is beautiful and so fun. And Amanda and I are going to go on a beachfront vacation. Uh, Florine, <laughs> thanks for being patient. We should all go. We should all just go, right? At this point, let's all go. Go ahead, Florine. Okay, let's say we have seen it both places, but we saw the original in London in 99. Oh, wow. We have to tell you, we walked in and all we could get was a top balcony. It was supposed to be obstructed view, but they weren't. And we can't tell you all the details because we were surrounded by Swedes. So everybody (laughs) all around us standing up moving the whole time we thought the balcony was going to fall down you could feel the movement so we couldn't have tell we couldn't tell you all the details of the show that show because there was the music for whatever two hours um and you know then we have seen it other places both but both but we had to tell you that story that's amazing in 90 december of 99 it started i I think in april of 99 there in london it was actually a honeymoon trip actually but we walked up and you know that story we walked up and got tickets what theater were you at oh it was at the uh we read where it was we couldn't remember where it was but we it tell it we, Prince Edward, Prince I think. Edward, I think. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. That's where it started. And moved. Yeah, it moved somewhere else. But Which is no, notable. Uh, let me jump in. It's notable because Prince Edward is also where the original production of Chess ran in London. Yeah. Okay. Which is uh-huh. another musical by the Alba folks. Thank you. Yes. Musical theater nerd Chris Pazernick, who knows oh, everything he knows about everything. every musical ever, ever written. Everything. Um, so Susie and I have sort of an interesting story along those lines. Uh, I won't bore you with too many details, but too late. Um, we were playing, we were traveling to Philadelphia. It was a travel day and the company, like the whole company, like the whole Mamma Mia company in North America hosted a, like, um, not a premiere, but like a movie event in Times Square where basically they invited anybody who had ever been a part of any production of, you know, the Broadway tour of Mamma Mia. And they bust us from Philadelphia to New York on that evening when we traveled to New York, then they bust us, we traveled to Philly, then they bust us to New York and we got to go, they like rented out the 42nd street AMC, wasn't it? Yeah. You, you didn't go. Um, but the, but it was super cool. And like, uh, you saw like all the cats from all these different iterations of the show. And uh, I think Philadelphia Lloyd was there and um, Christine Baranski was there and she talked to us before the, they showed and like they had popcorn and sodas. And we watched the, the movie all together with Mamma Mia family, but Susie, you didn't go. Well, I didn't go because I had Elliot with me, my son, who was I was homeschooling him on the road. Don't ask me. And he was like, we, wherever we, we were before Philadelphia, we, it was like a four hour bus ride to Philly. Then we had to check into our hotel. And then it was like me downstairs in the lobby. And Elliot was like, I don't want to go to New York. So <laughs> he won. But I did see we- it later. And it was weird to see it at the time that you're doing it. At the time you're doing it, yeah. You know, I, I was like, and my, my first reaction was like, oh my God, she's not she's not singing that note. Oh, <laughs> like, she's mixing that. Or, like, they took so many liberties. But then I was like, it's Meryl Streep. Stop, you know. But uh, it, it was, but, it was, it was mean, so. I think that's, I think that that's a valuable point to make if we're going to talk about this, is that. What you were required to do eight times a week for nine weeks, you did. And she gets to do a like, "Mm, I didn't, no, that didn't feel good. I want to do it again. And she can do a retake and she's not even hitting the right notes all the time. So I'm just, I just, I just need to speak out on the, I, I know this is about the movie, but this is essentially about the movie is that's the luxury of film. Yeah. And the challenge of live theater. And why it's the better part of art. 
Right. But it's a di- but it's a completely different craft, like being it's on camera, and then different craft. and then like having to be sincere in these scenes and play them like you play a scene when you're TV or movie acting, which I think is super hard to do because I'm primarily a stage actor, and then to transition into these like out there song these ABBA songs. I mean, it's it's challenging. I agree. So, and so, she was on the cliff, though. She was on that cliff with the wind I in her know, hair and that church. And the winner takes it. I, I could have. I could have. Oh, if only it had been you, Susie, what you could have done with that scarf and that cliff. <laughs> that red scarf. The fedora. Oh. The fedora. That's right. <laughs> so Robin asks in the chat, is Mamma Mia the first jukebox musical? And I would say to Weber and Chris Pazernick, isn't Do Re Mi the first jukebox musical? <laughs> the, well, the way we did it, it was, well, she's being specific. Robin says, is this the first bo- jukebox musical of the current oh, of the era? current era? Which, uh, you know, is a little differentiating. I think we go back to shows like um, Leader of the Pack or yeah. Buddy um, as, as some of the first jukebox musicals. But I mean, of the new modern era of musicals, I think an argument could be made about Mamma Mia. It was a real, um, you know, it, it kind of uh, exploded a whole genre, which now gave us the share show and it ain't, ain't too proud and all of these other Jagged you know, little Turner, uh, the Jersey Boys, all of these other things followed Mamma Mia. Um, so, uh, but, but, and, and that Elvis one, what is it all shook up? You all know? shook up. Yeah. So, yeah. It was definitely the relaunch of a genre. I think that I kind of pulled back and for a little while. But the concept is an old one. The, the idea of a, I don't know if you'd call it a pastiche or whatever, where you have a story and you weave in pop popular music of the era. I mean, you know, you could go, there's many instances of, of musicals that that took different popular songs and put them into a, a storyline. But in the current era, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's arguable. Oh, and then, of course, there's there's the kind of musicals that are like my one and only or crazy for you, which, which rob... Right from uh-huh. other musical uh, right. trunks of, of, you know, Irving Berlin or Cole Porter, things like that. Um, but that goes back to the old movies, really, uh, with, with things like um, White Christmas or Easter Parade. Those are kind right. of like jukebox musicals of their era, that they were doing Doug, songs, though, from the 19s. Doug said American in Paris. That's a good... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Singing in the Rain is, is another yeah. one. You know? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So the device kind of goes back, but that that really uh, goes when you have people like Irving Berlin and Cole Porter or people like that who had huge songbooks and a lot of flop shows so that people weren't reviving perfor- productions of Dewberry Was a Lady, but the, the show is jam packed with a lot of great songs and then they stick them into something like High Society. Um, right. So it's, it's, it's a long lasting tradition. You're absolutely right, Michael. Snapshots. They're doing it right now. Absolutely. Which I, which I did it. We're playing Park. it. I'm, I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, but Stephen Schwartz, it, it was, and he was involved, and it was like songs from Wicked, but with different lyrics. So they kept the melodies, but. Susie, we're hosting that show at Porchlight right now. We have that production, but it's not with you and Gene Wygant, and so it can't oh, be any I, it good. Was, I, I have to say it, and I'll say it in public. It was the worst at the time. Let's hope they've made some changes. It goes down in the history of my career as one of the worst pieces of doo-doo that I have ever. Oh, it was so bad. I remember that. I remember that. Show. Oh, my God. I, I And it was like snap and the camera goes snap. And then you're oh, it just I had I auditioned it, for it. I remember reading it and I thought, oh, oh no. And I wanted to do it because I was like, wow, Stephen Schwartz is going to be in this. This is going to be a big deal. And I had to belt metal lark at the audition, and then I got in it, and it was just <laughs> goes down in okay. history. Okay, so I digress. So, Carry on. so one of the really fun things about I think one of the fun things about Mamma Mia 
is the casting, right? Uh, I mean, who would have ever thought? I mean, Meryl Streep is so exciting to have playing Donna, and and, and she's so great. And I think it's partly why this was the, the highest grossing film in UK history um, until Avatar came along and I think knocked it out of the, out of the box office uh, 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 record holder. But, um, and, and I think, you know, Cher was, I think it initially was supposed to play Tanya and then she couldn't do it because she had her own stuff going on. But what, like, I don't know, what's your own dream casting? If you could, if, if they remade this movie, who, who would play these parts today? Or, or Paz, go ahead. Uh, I'm in love with this woman. I mean, if we couldn't do it with the actual stage stars, I mean, I'd buy a ticket to see the three of you in it every day of the week. Um, but if we're thinking movie stars, uh, Tony Collette has a phenomenal voice and has been campaigning for every movie musical under the sun ever since she got to Hollywood. And I think she'd make a great Donna. I she would. love you. Yep. She'd be great. She's, she can do, you know what? She can do anything. You can do any video about any show and you can be like, t- she could play anybody. She can play Willie Loman. I don't care. She's, She's amazing. amazing. What okay, about the, who's the guy? What, Sorry. Like, like what about the men? What about, hey, Mindy, did you have an, uh, did you have an idea, Mindy? I was just going to say, this is the point of the discussion where we're contractually obligated to say Jake Gyllenhaal. It's just what we say every single week. So uh, I'm going to, in fact, that's what I was thinking. We keep talking about how great Jake Gyllenhaal can sing. And I said, I bet he'd do better than Pierce Brosnan, but he's yeah. probably too young for that part. Maybe, like, so, maybe um, although now he probably would be, he could do it know, now, I think. Pierce Brosnan, you think so? No, I mean, Jake, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Have a 20-year-old daughter. Yeah, he's, okay. I think he'd be old enough now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. I'd buy that. I'd buy that ticket, Mindy. Michael, who's the guy that? Sorry, he does like uh, singing in the cab, and he has a show, and and he oh, did yeah. the Baker. He did James the Baker. Gordon. James Corden. Yes. Yeah. He could do well. He could do any of those roles, but I think he'd be a cute Harry, not he as would. good. Gotta get it. No, you have to have a gay Harry. Yeah, I think you have to have a, a gay guy. No right? stuff about prom. Yeah, as he can't do it now. After after prom, I don't think he can. Uh, he can't play a gay guy again. He's going to get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so, one of the things that I actually really uh, miss from the movie versus the stage show, I miss a lot of the songs. So here are yep. some of the songs that are excluded from the movie that are in the stage show that, and I happen to love most of these songs. Um, one of Us, great song. Knowing Me, Knowing You is always a tough one because I feel like it doesn't tell the story. It's like it's where we sort of derail in the stage show and we're not, it feels like a pop song and we're not telling the story. But regardless, it's not in the movie. Um, name of the Game is not in the movie. Uh, and they added When All Is Said and Done, which I don't think is a great tune, and not sung particularly well. And they and then they really truncated the wedding. I do, I do, I do is is pretty brief. It's almost like it's almost like a cameo like when when Donna sings Fernando. Um yeah. Oh, name of the game is in part two, which I haven't seen part two. I need to see part two. But if um the uh, biggest oh, and, one. And what? The biggest one that was not in the movie. Who is what? And Elizabeth Lado sang it. No, it's take a chance. Take a chance is in the movie. When is it? Oh yeah, it's after um, the I wedding. Went to the bathroom at that. Point. <laughs> you might have gone to the bathroom. I'm you went to the bathroom, Big Monagle. Yeah, they couldn't cut that. It's like the. I that's thought like they the, cut that. My um, they couldn't cut that because it's like the best thing that ever happened to the movie. <laughs> it, it is a fan favorite moment. <laughs> Um, but they also, my favorite song, and probably a lot of people disagree with me, is the weirdo act two dream sequence opener in the stage show, Under Attack, which I love. And is like in the stage version on Broadway had neon day glow tuxedos and we push the beds around and Sophie's having this nightmare. It's not in the film either. Yeah, so yeah. what of these songs, is there one that, that you uh, miss more than another? Or do you think they were judicious cuts? That one is a judicious cut. 
the one you just said. The the I I I think that thing should be cut from the play. I love it. I do. Good I love it. I just think it's Why? weird and fun, and I think it's a. It's a little cliche, but it's a, it's a fun, I think it's a fun way to open act two. I know you'd do better if you wrote it, Lado. Well, uh, so we're, we have to talk about the elephant in the room, right? We're talking about a play and we're talking about a movie. The movie can go fluid. The movie has all these opportunities to tell a story in a way that you can't do on stage. I think that one of the things that the movie does really well is that it stays, it, it kind of goes, because it does like extra, it doesn't even do a full song sometimes, right? You kind of have, right. at some points, there's just like these little like touches, grace notes of a song because they don't need to do more because they can do it cinematically. Whereas on stage, you're going to go, we have to complete the song because we've got to, it's got to be a musical number and that's what it is. That's a challenge. That's the device that is a challenge and also an exciting part of it all. That being said, starting an act two with that song and with that kind of demand theatrically, I think is unnecessary. I've always, I, I found it, I found it impractical to be perfectly honest. I don't think we need it. I think we get it in the storytelling. I think that the the movie tells you that actually it, it, it actually can inform the play when people are doing the play. If you I would argue that I think it helps us understand why Sophie decides not to get spoiler alert, decides not to get married in the end. I think it's the the sort of she's the, having nightmares about it. But the, I the think you said that otherwise. Do you not, Susie? I mean, you played again. I mean, you had to. You have that great scene where you you see what she. You walk in on that. Yeah, but that's her nightmare, right? That's mm-hmm. uh, what's up. I I find this in some very commercially uh, oriented contemporary musicals. Sometimes they put something at the top of act two that is not, to Lado's point, entirely dramaturgically necessary. Because to get people to their seats. To yeah, who was going to the bathroom? It's basically like a more interesting entract, right? We used to have this convention of an entract yeah. at the top yeah. of act two that has long since gone by the wayside. So it's like a halfway measure. Well, this is more interesting than an entract, but if you're still in line at the bar when it starts, you're not you're not, not going to miss anything. anything. A great yeah. point. A great point for sure. A great point. And that's exactly what this, that's, yeah, that, that makes complete sense. I just I, don't check off too much. Uh, <laughs> I miss the song One of Us a lot. And Susie, you always sang that really beautifully. That was Thank you. I lo- that's one of my favorite songs in well, that Mind- show. M- Mindy, I think you had your hand up. I did. Um, I, at the end, when she marries, um, decides to marry Pierce Brosnan's character, it felt very shoehorned in. Did, it, is the play a little more, does it, it feel more naturalistic? Or is it that same kind of thing? I think someone earlier brought up the point that that he didn't buy that relationship between Pierce and Merrill, and I would totally agree. I think in the in and I I think it's the actors because basically the dialogue is very similar to the dialogue you know in the stage version, and if you don't have two actors that you buy their relationship, it it, it doesn't work, and I, I think that was a flaw. And, and somebody brought that up earlier. Don't you think well, Sam and, and Donna have a little bit more time together in the play than they do in no, the movie? They don't have a lot of time together at all. Well, I'll tell you, Harry and Donna have a lot more time in, together on the stage play. But Harry and, and Donna have like nothing to do in the, in the movie. Yeah, yeah. They don't have uh, our last summer. That was... It's sung by Sophie on the boat with, instead, instead of, of thank you for the music. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, and thank you for the music isn't really in the, no, I mean, it's it's in the end credits, but there's a lot of, um, in fact, the first 25 minutes of the movie, there's not a lot of music and we don't get the overture, which I love a good overture. And, and yeah. Sort of but we get the finale. That mega mix at the end was <laughs> last. Well, let's talk about the mega mix. I because- ta- yeah, I'd love to talk about that because I, when I rewatched it today, 
Like that's the theatrical moment, right? Uh, totally. And it works, and right? Doesn't it work in the movie? Do you think? I think it works because it's like that's the girls right. are, but I mean, but I wanted to, I wanted to, to be bigger. I don't know. I, did you want, I wanted more of it. Did you want more of it or what do you think? It could have been, it, it, well, they kept it with the principal cast. And that's, that's actually one of the, the, my, one of my bigger pet peeves about the movie on the whole. And, and Susie, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. I feel like Mamma Mia is all about the ensemble and, um, and, and truly like as great as the, as much fun as the principals are, especially those principal women who we just completely fall in love with the ensembles there the whole time supporting um, the action of the play as the Greek chorus and as these tremendous singers and tremendous dancers. And then they're there in the mega mix as well um, at the end. And in the movie, we just spend time with the principal actors, which is great. Like it's a lot of fun. And I, and I think that they, like it definitely feels like we've broken away from the convention of being a movie and now we're on a stage and it's all fantasy and you know it's this great fun send-off it's it's always was a great joy to perform that live i think it i think it works in the movie really well it's a fun send-off I think it's so good i just i you it's 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 i watched it and i was like oh that's where it is like that's when I when I was watching it today, I was like, oh, that's where I got juiced up about it, you know? Right. And maybe right. it's from I mean, this is hard to ask us who've done it live because you get that thrill of doing this live to talk about the movie where so you're just sitting there on your couch and watching it and then you lived it once and you lived it with a group of people like going, Oh my god, this is so exciting. This is an interesting dialogue and an interesting format to, to explore this because yeah. they're really, really different organic experiences. As a performer, though, you feel like a rock star, don't you? Every night, uh, that mega mix. Yeah, and the and the mega mix. Yeah, I mean, I was serious. I mean, I really. I mean, I'm telling you, I was like, I didn't. I I was Madonna every night. Totally, Mindy. You were. I just wanted to ask you guys, did, did you have to audition singing ABBA songs? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, for I sure. Auditioned, I auditioned five times. Wow. So do yeah. they give you the ABBA songs or you just pick the one you like the best? No, they made me sing the... Um, they always wanted me to be Bill and they okay. never liked me. And then finally they had me audition for Harry and they were like, I think we like you for Harry. And then I turned them down. Cause I was about to have a baby. My wife was about to have a baby. And, um, and then my wife talked me into to taking it anyway. So I took a six week old baby on tour with me and me and my oh, wife. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Susie and I were both road parents. Yeah. So we're going to we're going to wrap it up here pretty soon, but before what? we do, does yeah, I know the time has flown. Does anybody else have anything to contribute or, or questions or thoughts can about I, the movie? I, yeah, can I share one story since my mom is on? Where's my mom? There she is. Here. Right next to um, my mom and I saw this play. Um we saw it on Broadway back in um Right after February after 9-11. 9-11. February. And we had second, we were in the second row center. We were, I could watch the, the conductor with his monitors and all this. And we were there. And I had just come out to her. I just come out like, it had been a recent um, situation where I'd come out to her. And I was figuring out when I was, my parents are still married, but I was challenged by telling my dad but I needed to tell my mom first and we did this New York trip and we went and we saw the play and the uh scene we're having this wonderful weekend together and the scene where Donna sings um when she's slipping through my fingers my fingers and putting the veil on and doing all that stuff and, the, and it's on stage and we're right there and my mom looks at me and she said this is the hard part this will be the hard part and um i mean i have a relationship with this play and this musical and this story that they put together in a really interesting way because like at one point i was kind of like i can't carry that I, all I did was tell you my truth. Like I carry that. Why am all of a sudden? I, so I just did. I did I break something to you? 
Oh, sure, mm -hmm. sure that wasn't an intention of the mom. Well, no, but that's yeah. of course. And like, Absolutely. let me say, mom, that wasn't what you did. You just were saying your truth and my truth. And we had this moment in this play because we both looked at each other. And I said, I know, because it's mine too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we had this great moment with this this play and with this story and with this film, whatever. And we have that. And I am always great. I'm so grateful that I got to do it too as a, as a performer, but like this has a, a near this narrative. I thank you so much for sharing that. That yeah, that's an all, it's a beautiful so story. Awesome. Thank you and for letting me It's share. a devastating song. It's yeah, a, but, it, it, yeah. but again, this now I'm getting back to a little bit of Cheeseville, but there it there is human story that goes on that's in the show. Mean. And you may make fun of Mamma Mia and say it's cheesy or whatever. It's but not. There's so many things that it's you can relate to. That's exactly what she said that night. She said, yeah. <laughs> kind of cheesy. I saw I love this show. And she's like, well, I think it's kind of cheesy. And I had yeah. just seen it with my girlfriends, a group of dear girls yeah. uh, uh, six months previously in Toronto. And she was saying, and I thought, oh, well, do I like something that's cheesy? Because here she's the professional. And I'm thinking, yeah. I think it's great. Yeah, yeah. Well, it is cheesy and we love it because of it, so. it's cheesy. Yeah. Pazernik, I'm going to let you wrap it up. What's your, what is your final thought on Mamma Mia? Um, oh gosh, I wasn't prepared for this, Michael. Um, you had your hand up. <laughs> oh, no, my hand was up because... Uh, Lado mentioned her story earlier and my hand was only up because I wanted to make sure she got to tell it before we got off the conversation. Well, I have a fun fact. Okay, fun what's your fact fun fact, Monica? That, that uh, Benny and Bjorn, the two ABBA guys, make cameo appearances in the film. Michael, the first one, he's playing, uh, Benny is playing the piano. Playing the, the piano. Dock. I saw that, but I didn't see the second one. What's the other one? He's a Greek god in, uh, I think, somewhere in the finale. Anyway, just just fun facts about Mama. I love. <laughs> <laughs> I love her so much. This was well, so fun. This was this so was, fun. This was fun. And, and talk thanks about the Mama Mia Museum, and we didn't get to that. I'm sorry. We didn't. And, and thanks everybody for participating. And thanks and for adding inviting your, this Mama. Opinions. It was fun. Oh my gosh, everyone! So lovely to see everyone. Always. It's a scene. And it's we'll be back. Anybody. We'll be Hang back. on, because live theater is coming back. We're coming back with them. And I'm so proud of Porchlight for doing this and keeping people involved. And it's, it's awesome. 100%, 100%. Back to you, Michael Weber. We hope you enjoyed this Movie Musical Monday podcast and that you'll join us live to participate in our next discussion. You'll find information about upcoming events on our website and how you can join in the conversation. Theaters across the country need your support now, more than ever. We hope you'll consider a donation to Porchlight Music Theater today. Just go to porchlightmusictheater.org. Until next time on Movie Musical Mondays, I'm Michael Weber. Michael Weber